0: Welcome to buy the books the podcast helping business owners navigate the complex world of business tax and bookkeeping now to the owner and president of Sucline, lindsey klein
1: for joining us, everyone. This is Lindsay Klein with Klein, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time and your host of By the Books. I'm here today with Susan Bryant, who I am so thrilled is joining us again for the second time. Thank you for coming back.
0: Well, thanks so much for having me, Lindsay. I'm really excited to be here. Your
1: first episode that we did together was very well received. I had a lot of positive feedback from it. Did you
0: get any feedback from your end? Yeah, absolutely, and same. So I was really excited to be a part of it and glad to be back again to share our thoughts on this topic too.
1: Yes, and I think we may have alluded to this in the first episode, I'm not sure, but basically what makes a good client. Is that how we could summarize it? I think that's
0: good, yes. Okay. I mean, we could go the other way, and we were talking about this just a moment ago, like, <laughs> yes. you could go with the negative, like, don't be a bad client, but you know, for, um, you know, for the sake of optimism and always looking on the bright side, I think it's good to say what are the qualities of a good client, yes. or a great client, right, or a spectacular client, which I there think you go. everybody wants clients like that.
1: Yes, yes, and I will say this, being around a lot of professionals, especially CPAs, and sometimes attorneys, I am hearing a lot from them that it's part of their annual process to basically cut out what they would call the bottom 20% of clients. The ones that either are just giving them way too much frustration or they can't get what they need or whatever it is that they're just cutting those out of the practice to move on with clients that they want to work with.
0: Yeah, I mean, you only have so much capacity. Yes. And so you have to be mindful of that in, in your practice, right? Um, and you're also sort of thinking about your own quality of life and who you enjoy working right. with. And so, um, and, you know, sometimes there's no amount of money that somebody can pay you to help make you continue to working with somebody. So if they are really just, they have bad behavior, bad mm-hmm. attitude, whatever it is, don't um, you know, embody these qualities we're going to talk about, then yes. you're it's really easy. To just say, hey, I just don't think we're a good fit anymore. You'll need to go find another CPA attorney, whatever, to service you. So, yes. and that's, we call that pruning. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Cutting back to grow stronger. That's right? right. Yeah. I mean,
0: sort of like you do with your, your plants in the spring, right? Um, you know, and, and in some other cases, you know, you're also just increasing the fees. Like if it's just that much of a pain, mm-hmm. then there is that PETA surcharge that some people get charged. You know, just
1: it has. Happens. And what does PETA stand yeah.
0: for there? Pain in the mm. <laughs> So
1: so. I figured it was something like that. I've done that a time or two. Yeah. Um,
0: So I mean, you know, we had to think about the business side of our business, our culture. You know, who our people are dealing with. Yes. um, All the different things that we're balancing too. I mean, just like any other business, these are the same things our clients are actually working on as well. And so, and that's no, that's no surprise that um, you know we are we're trying to cultivate a base of clients that are you know match the culture of our organization and what we're trying to achieve. Exactly.
1: Well, I will say for my own business, and you're big on culture, which is one of the things I love about you. You really value your employees. Um, I am the same way. It is one of the founding things that was very foundational in me even starting my company is I wanted to build something for which I could basically become the employer I never had and always Mm. wanted. Yes. because I hated being an employee yeah. so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, so one of the things that I've done to cultivate or at least attempt to cultivate that positive culture is for my employees to know that they are my most valuable asset, mm-hmm. my most valuable resource, and that I care about them and their well-being. One of the ways that I do that is to continuously show them as much as we love our clients, and I do, I love our clients and I want to help them. But at the end of the day, they are my priority. Mm-hmm. And so I have been very intentional about when we've had a frustrating client where their stress level is getting increased and they're liking their job less. I've been very intentional to make sure they understand you're the priority and your well being is a priority here. And so even intentionally in front of other staff members, I have told my employees, say the word and I will fire this client. Yeah, yeah. Like I want them to have the control to know I don't have to do this. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, and then, you know, someone who yells at somebody. Oh, yeah. Um, just you know, bad Just bad behavior in general. Yes. And that's, you know, we're volunteers in serving the clients in a lot of cases. So absolutely. that's really important, you know, to understand that this is, should be a reciprocal relationship. Yes. You're going to get the best of us if you give yes. you. If you give your best to us. Exactly. Uh, and that's got to be, it's got to be mutually beneficial. It's Absolutely. Be, um, there has to be mutual respect there. So many different things. Mm-hmm. And one of those things is not just to the leader of the organization, but to everyone else, whether it's the person answering the phone all the way, you know, up to the top and everyone in between. um and that's one of the things that makes up a good client is they appreciate yes. the fact that it requires so many people mm-hmm. to make things happen um, in the right way, and and that is all for their benefit. You know. So is so. that
1: maybe where we start with this? Is to say the first way to be a great client is respect the way you treat people. Yeah. Appreciation. Like totally. Just general attitude.
0: Yeah. I mean, just understanding um, the position that you're in as the client and the position that the uh, CPA or other professional is in, um, in terms of providing the service. And setting clear expectations. Both sides, and if you don't feel like those expectations are getting met, um, then talking about them—you know, not not going on a tirade, mm. not being you know argumentative or having that bad behavior, but just having a conversation.
1: So, just, how can a client help with that process of setting expectations? Mm, yeah. um, what what could a client ask or say or do at the beginning of the engagement to make that? The whole relationship goes smoother in terms of expectations. Yeah. Well, I will say
0: this, (laughs) so not all, especially in our industry, accountants are great at explaining every single component <laughs> that's gonna go into an engagement, okay? So there is work to be done on both sides. Certainly. But it's it's asking questions to define the scope of the engagement and when things are gonna get mm-hmm. done. And I mean, the client asking those questions and also making sure that you're working with someone who has the same type of communication style and method of project management that you do. Okay, if that so- disconnect exists in the beginning, you'll likely not have a successful relationship.
1: So you would be the exception, Susan, but I I have talked and spoken with a lot of CPAs, and of course I have a lot of bookkeeping clients and have dealt with their tax professionals. By and large, generally speaking, and you'll probably agree with me, the typical personality of these type of professionals is introverted and typically avoids human contact. Yes. (laughs)
0: They have an aversion to the telephone. Yes.
1: <laughs> yes, very much so. Yeah. Um, I've heard that I cannot tell you how many times from clients who their main frustration with their tax professional is that they can't reach them mm-hmm. by phone. They typically want to communicate via email. Yeah. Um, and if at all, and that's that's been probably the number one complaint that I've heard repeatedly. Yeah. So when you say to make sure that their communication style is in line,
0: mm-hmm.
1: what if the professional doesn't have a communication Something. style? What if it's avoided? Yes,
0: yeah, then you have to find <laughs> you have to find someone who matches that. I mean, there are lots of CPAs, attorneys, you know, bookkeepers. Mm -hmm. There's all sorts of professionals that exist. Keep looking for the person who matches you the best. Because overall, it's going to be a relationship. It's not a transaction. It's not just a tax return. This is the person who's going to be fundamental, especially an accountant or a lawyer. You know, They're fundamental to your business success. So, you have to go on the hunt, and you have to interview them and ask them a lot of questions. Um, Of course, asking for a referrals, you know, to people who you know um, can be, uh, you know, kind of match that, yes. you know, that's, this really is important. I think there's just not a lot of questions that go into it. They just assume all accountants are the same. They serve all the same types of clients. And, you know, that would be another thing that I would say is, is that if if you have a 1040, that needs to be prepared. Um, going to a very large accounting firm to just have an individual tax return prepared is probably not going to be a good match. Mm. Um, if you're in a specific industry, you know, find an accountant that like really, you know, specializes in serving that industry. You will have a much better experience um, and relationship with them because they will understand your business better.
1: Now that that does make sense to me. Um, that is one of the reasons why I make an intentional effort to. Network with other tax professionals and make sure that I have people that specialize in different industries, in different types of returns. Like you Mm -hmm. mentioned 1040. So that's an individual tax return. If somebody has just a 1040 with no business, there are certainly people that specialize in that. But as you said, going to a big... Ginormous CPA firm, they're probably specializing in the big guys. Absolutely. And they're not going to be putting probably a lot of time and attention into an individual 1040 return. Yeah. Whereas another accounting professional that specializes in that would really value that client.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So
1: finding that person that really is, not only does what you, your situation, but is passionate about doing your situation. That, I think, is really important. That's a great point.
0: Yeah. And, you know, also just, like, (laughs) if you have a business, the size of your business, that really Mm -hmm. matters, too, um, because that's going to dictate, in a lot of cases, your budget. The smaller your business, the smaller your budget likely is going to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you are likely going to be finding that you're going to be working with probably a smaller CPA firm. Um, Um, and as your business grows, you have to be thinking about, you know, is this professional still the right fit for me? Can they still offer me all the same services that I need as my business continues to scale and expand and I get into right. a variety of different complexities? So the client also has to be evaluating the relationship too, right. thinking about what the, where they are right now and where they're going to be. I see this in financial advisors too, you know, where maybe a business owner is just starting out and they don't have a significant amount of assets. But you know, fast forward, you know, ten, fifteen years. Now they, you know, their business is just throwing off tons of cash. They've got lots of you know liquid assets now. The generally speaking, the same accountant is not going to work in both situations. Right. The same financial advisor, right. the same attorney. I mean, I'll, it's just that so you outgrow professionals. So the client also has to recognize that too, and that's part of being a good client is to evaluate what are the services that you need what are the services that are being offered does this person have the technical experience capacity resources to really serve you in the way that you need to be served and it's okay if it doesn't match anymore but there's no reason to get angry there's no reason right. to you know um, you know you, you might be disappointed um, but it's seasonal right this is the this is life it's seasonal right things are temporary in in, in this, this happens all the time you know clients do eventually outgrow
1: Which is a good thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's if you have a business, that's where you hope to be, right? Is that your business is growing and that you are outgrowing your professionals. That is nothing but a positive thing to to reach that point. And
0: that probably goes back to the expectations and sort of understanding what the professional is the best at, what they're great at, and how they can help you get to that next level. And once they do, whether or not they're still a good fit. But, you know, it's just you can't leave it on autopilot. It just doesn't work. It's just something that has to be continually evaluated.
1: Absolutely.
0: So I know there's probably a lot of accountants who don't want to hear that either. And <laughs> and that's probably where the rub is and why they're they're doing the pruning at the end of every year, right? Yes. Is because they're they're recognizing it, but the clients aren't. Yeah. And so it's just a it's one of these things that it's a process. Accountants grow, they move upstream serving a different set of clients, right? So that informate you know, all the clients that are sort of getting pruned off, they have to go to a different resource. So it is just the evolution of the CPA's business, too.
1: Well, what I think it's important important for both professionals and the client to realize is that not everyone is a good fit for everyone. It's true. And in fact, from a professional standpoint, and I'll say this even from my bookkeeping company standpoint, not everyone that comes in our door or picks up the phone to call us is a good fit for us. And If you're a professional that thinks everyone that comes in your door is a good fit you probably need to reevaluate yeah that is going to be a problem for you (laughs) Well,
0: you'll probably end up not meeting expectations right which will lead to a lot of disgruntled clients and so I mean you're not serving them in the best way either right so you got to get real clear you know CPAs bookkeepers everybody's got to really hone in on who they serve the best and serve those clients well
1: and I would say even from a client standpoint even if someone someone has highly recommended a professional and had a great experience with them. Your situation is different. And it may not be the best for you, even though it's the best for someone else. Mm -hmm. So if you go into it with that mindset, knowing, okay, this is a good professional, but maybe not the best for me. Right. That's different. That's
0: different. Exactly. Could not agree more. Yes. And I think there's also some reluctancy if we're talking about like on the the CBA bookkeeper side, right? There's this reluctancy to create these collaborative relationships with what could be deemed competitors. Uh, And that is like a whole mentality that has to go away. Yes, I agree. Because we need to ultimately be looking for what is the best fit for the client. So even if I can do it, that doesn't mean I should do it. Right. So I need to be having this base of of other resources available. So when somebody does come my way, gets referred to me, I can say, Oh, hey, that's probably not the best fit for for us. Right. Might be a little too expensive, might not be the right industry. We don't serve in that way. Here is, yes. you know, three other amazing resources that could really benefit yes. you.
1: And I'm sure you probably do this too, Susan, in your company. Um, but I can I can pretty much tell within five minutes of talking to a prospect whether or not it's going to be a good fit for us, right? Because yeah. I've just gotten d- through so many different scenarios at this point that I know, okay, for the you know these reasons that this is probably not going to be the best fit. Yeah. But this is why I've been very intentional to network with other bookkeepers and other bookkeeping companies and even CPA firms that do bookkeeping, because I don't want to just say, listen, I don't think this is going to work out because of XYZ, but have a nice day. Right. I would much rather say, here's where I don't see that this would be the best fit, but I happen to know someone that specializes, whether it be industry or your software or the fact that you want someone in person coming in your office, which we don't do, things like that. Um, I happen to know someone who loves doing that. Let me introduce you. Yes. That's such a more positive interaction than I'm sorry, we're not the right fit. Have a nice day. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So I couldn't agree with you more on having those synergy partners, not seeing them as competition. Well,
0: and part of that is also, you know, in terms of being a good client, is understanding the business side of the professional's business. You know, Mm -hmm. so a lot of times clients will come to us and, you know, they... They just don't understand deadlines. They don't understand the tax deadlines. They don't understand the constraints, time constraints, resource constraints that we're working in in certain time frames. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of that also sort of goes back to these expectations and yeah. really tr- helping the client understand where they fit in in to the processes and and help them to sort of understand that that part of the professional's business.
1: So are you saying a client should not come to you on April 14th? <laughs> with a box of all their documents right? and say, Here, I need this done by tomorrow. Yeah. Is that not
0: not how it works? <laughs> Definitely not.
1: Definitely not. Definitely not.
0: Um, uh, to me, I think one of the things that um, is really important is just having understanding. I think the clients bear some responsibility in understanding what deadlines apply to their business. Uh-huh.
1: So, is that one of the conversations that should be had? before the engagement starts.
0: Yes, and there needs to be reminders. Um, It's frequent, you know, that all of a sudden we'll get an inquiry on, you know, we'll be working on, say, for example, Texas franchise tax extensions. And we'll send an email, and they'll say, what is this? I've never even seen this before. This is an annual thing. So it's really important for you to have these things in your calendar and as a client and Mm. understand what the processes are each year. That's part of your responsibility. It's your business. The CPA is going to help you. We're going to assist you. But being a good client means that you do have to bear your burden Mm -hmm. of of understanding what your responsibilities are when actions are required on your part. That is, I think, one of the qualities of a good client. They don't want to. It's not, you know, I'm well. I don't have to do anything anymore. I've got yeah. a CPA. Right. It's that I am a p- in partnership with this CPA exactly. to make sure that these I'm always in compliance, that I'm getting all the services I need. My my books are getting updated or examined. I'm working, you know, working with all the right people, but I bear that responsibility and I accept it.
1: Yes. Um, and th- this is probably something important for clients to to understand, too, is taxpayer responsibility versus tax preparer responsibility. Mm -hmm. I actually did a podcast episode on this where we did some case studies. We went through actual court cases where the client was trying to claim, hey, I shouldn't be responsible for all these penalties because... I had a professional taking care of this and they didn't do what they were supposed to do. And we're not successful with that defense. At the end of the day, you you as the business owner, as the client are responsible for making sure the deadlines are met, making sure that things are done properly and accordingly, even if you hire a professional. So I would say it's important for that reason alone to make sure as the client that you know when all your deadlines are supposed to be. Because, I mean, as much as we would all as professionals like to think we don't make mistakes, we do.
0: I mean, balls get dropped and, um, you know, and entities get formed and no one tells somebody and then boom, you got to, you know, right. things happen. Um, now, that probably goes into another thing is like proactive communication. Yes. I think mean, this is like a two way street, yes. major two way street. Yes. And uh, just like we would, you know, just spoken before about the fact that communication, like CPAs are sometimes not the best. Sometimes clients aren't the best either. That you is know, true. They don't read emails. They don't read engagement letters. You know, They don't really be bothered with the details. They don't answer questions, provide documents, talk to your CPA before something big happens in your business. And all of those things are a recipe for a bad
1: relationship. Yes, absolutely. So Let's drill down on those a little bit. Um, I know... For us in the bookkeeping realm, one big problem is lack of response by the client yes. or lack of documentation. Yeah, Obviously we cannot do our job. You can't do taxes on your side if we don't have documents that we need. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of documents necessary to have a clean set of books and to have a properly prepared tax return. Yep. And some clients were asking, I mean, part of our process on the bookkeeping side is a weekly updates to our clients. And for some clients, that is literally copy and pasting the last email where yeah. we've asked for a bunch of different yeah. documents and, that we need. And that's to likely continue. that's
0: going to get you on that 20 percent <laughs> list yeah. at the end of the year. That's what's yeah. going to happen, <laughs> you know, because it's frustrating. I mean, we experienced this, too. And it's like we've asked for the same thing for six months. Right. and at that point now if they send everything we have such an influx of work to do it disrupts the schedule I mean right. we have a production environment right. everything is production related right. it's just like a factory right? right so it, it It is one of those, the respect of replying and providing information timely. I mean, if you want to get it from the CPA, you as a client have to be, it has to be reciprocated. Right. It has to go back the same way. We are both held to the same standard in terms of communication. That's exactly
1: right. And I'm sure you're used to having those clients. We sure are on our side where you don't hear anything from them. You ask for the same thing over and over for Mm -hmm. months and months and months. And of course that list grows over time because with every passing month, now there's a new set of documents you need. Mm. And then it's not until the client decides either they need funding from somebody, or they're refinancing their house, or tax deadline is impending. And then they send. Everything all at once, right? And they need it right, right. now. Exactly. <laughs> this emergency situation
0: has arisen, and then you know the 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 professional is expected to rise to this challenge and you know drop everything else, every other good client that they're working with who is responsive, who mm-hmm. does give information. We drop all of those to serve you, client who's now needy. Right. Um, and you know, and, and it gets it will li- it will land you up on that. The on 20%. the twenty percent. It will. <laughs> it, it's, it's because it's too hard for it, there's. Uh, CPAs, bookkeepers, tax professionals, we have to make choices as to how our capacity is going to be consumed. There is a finite amount of time available to get this work done. So if you are disruptive, if you are problematic and you create issues in our business as opposed to help us to get the work done, then you will will single yourself out. You will become the squeaky wheel and... off you go. Um, and then it gets really hard as as a CPA especially to then say, well, where do I even want to send this client? I don't want to wish right. this work on anyone. Right. This person is hard to get along with. They don't respond. Where do I even send this? And so a lot of times you're having conversations with a potential person you're going to refer them to and say, right. let me give Explain. you some clear expectations on what if, <laughs> are you willing for me to make this referral yes, to you. Um, I have
1: had those conversations before where, tough. where we have let a Client go and I and again I don't like to just have those conversations where sorry, have a nice day. I do right. want to give them a resource, but you're exactly right. I'm calling that refer referral partner or sending them an email and letting them know, listen, here's the problems we're having, and this is what I will tell them if you decide to engage with this client, make it worth your time. That's right,
0: absolutely, (laughs) yes. Now, I will also say this, like sometimes it is our fault. As a CPA, as a professional, we've not done a good job of turning a bad client into a good client. We've not had this conversation with them. And it's important that we do. So we've got to also understand our own deficiencies mm-hmm. and be willing to recognize our weaknesses, get so better. So how does that
1: look? And have you done that? Where have you actually had a conversation with a client and say, listen, <laughs> yeah. this is not working?
0: Well, one of the things that we're doing now, um, and we had not done this in the past, is every time we bring on a new client, we do a 30, 60, 90 day conversation. Okay. So we're asking questions like, what's going well? Well, how's the communication going? That's great. Is, is, what members of your team are responding? Are, you, are there people who are not responding? You know, are your expectations being met? You know, we go through sort of that's fantastic, right? So we're I trying to yeah, we're trying to have this conversation. Yeah, it's great. It's working really, really nicely because now we are the ones being proactive about yes. making sure that I mean, every client is a good client when they first come to you, right? It's 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 about managing their expectations and helping them to understand your processes. And this maybe this sort of segues into another sort of thing I have um, that I wanted to talk about too which was CPAs, bookkeepers, it doesn't matter. Attorneys, everyone's got a process that they follow. So one of the jobs of the client is to conform to those processes. Ah. So for the clients who come in and say, well, I don't want DocuSign. I want paper. Uh, don't email me here. Email me here. I want my bill to go here, but not to here. I want six people on this. You know, it's usually just, okay, all those exceptions to our general processes Again, we'll land you up on the 20% uh, (laughs) thing at the end of the year because uh, it's disruptive. So you Mm. have to be willing to conform to the processes. If your CPA or bookkeeper or somebody doesn't have processes, that might be a warning sign to you. definitely. Right? Like, (laughs) maybe this person isn't as organized as I need them to be. Mm -hmm. So again, client interviewing and understanding, I mean, this probably goes back to a little bit, we understand your business, you need to understand ours. But don't try to dictate to the professional how to run their business. Conform.
1: Well, and that would probably be good questions to ask at the beginning, because if you are a person that loves paper and you don't want electronic documents, there's certainly tax professionals out there who are on the same page with you 100 <laughs>
0: percent. know who you are i yeah. mean like to thyself be true right you know right know yourself have awareness yeah. about what type of client you are and who right. you think you would work best with so absolutely
1: yeah, so find someone whose process is more of that in-person paper interaction right and then it will be a much better fit Amen. And they're not resenting it. Yes, yes. On either side. Yeah.
0: And, and you know, on the CPA side and the bookkeeper side, you know, we also have to resist the urge to make these exceptions. You know, we're very people pleasing. We were you know, we very customer service oriented. And um, especially people who are selling work, right, who are mm-hmm. bringing the clients on, you know, it's a very disruptive if the people who are bringing on new work come in with this list of exceptions to what they know the processes are. So that is, again, probably a recipe for... A not a very successful relationship because right. we're already at the beginning modifying all these processes, all these you know procedures to conform to this one client and that's not how we work. So that's also sort of everybody has to understand how it goes, what the protocols are, standard operating procedures, this is how it works. So we're looking for clients who conform to that, who can conform, who want to conform. Um, and similarly, we're telling them what the processes are so they understand them and have good expectations two-way street
1: yes absolutely and definitely good conversations to have at the beginning to at the beginning yes. yes
0: not not to not two years later right. when everyone's <laughs> like you stink as a professional <laughs> well you're a bad client i mean it's just not gonna work out the, the way right. that you want it to
1: and it's not necessarily a an issue with either side it's just different arenas they work out of, right? They think differently, they operate differently. It's not that one is bad and one is good, they're I, just not on the same playing they're field. They're just
0: different, right? Yeah. So it's a matter of communication, you know, explaining, right? Um, so that everyone sort of understands how it works. And that's, it's okay. And every business is gonna run differently. I mean, if, if you go to one restaurant, and then go to a different restaurant, they're going to do things differently. You go to Dickie's Barbecue, right. the line is going to operate differently than if you go to McDonald's. Yes. They're just different. Right. Just not that one is better than the other. It's just they have different ways of doing it. So understand what their system is, and you're going to have to conform. So
1: Yeah, that's good. I like that. So okay. I had sent you an article last night, and I wanted to read it on the podcast. I thought it was... Interesting and funny. I don't know if you got as much kick out of it as I did, but this article is titled, The Eight Nightmare Clients. Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So the first one is the late client with no patience. Of course, the client who waits until the very last minute to make an appointment is the one who expects his or her tax return to be completed the next day. Mm -hmm. We like the old saying, a lack of planning on your part does not constitute an emergency on my part although tax season sometimes feels like one long emergency.
0: <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, we kind of touched
1: on that a little bit.
0: Yeah, I, I think one thing on that is... That we need to be very clear about what those deadlines look like. You know, like If you want your return prepared by April 15th, when do you have to get the information to us? Mm-hmm. What does that turnaround t- time look like?
1: So that's another good thing to talk about at the beginning. Absolutely. Setting clear if expectations. I want my return done by this date, when do I need to have everything to you? Yes. Because that's an important question.
0: Some people do not want to extend their returns. It's just in their mind they don't want to. Yeah. for whatever reason yeah. or they have some kind of deadline or you know if it's a, a partnership and they've got investors they've got to get the k-1s out so that the, the investors can file their returns so there may be like a deadline and you know that's coming up that they want to make sure they're meeting the expectations of someone else that's just awesome that has to be spelled out yeah. really clear but the whole late thing to me this is a signal for someone who shows up late and is late about the tax stuff this is not a priority to them And as much as you wanna make it a priority to them, it's just not a priority. Mm. So again, this is a quality of a client. You decide whether or not you wanna take this person on. Well, and
1: from a professional standpoint, really the message that the client is sending is, I don't value you. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's essentially the message that's coming across with that.
0: Yeah. And this needs to be a priority to them. I mean, this is your your
1: tax compliance. Well, sure. (laughs) Obviously, as accounting professionals, we think so, right? Yeah. I I
0: mean, the IRS (laughs) thinks so, too. You know, so there's lots of people who who really want you to send that stuff in on time. Um, But it's prioritization, just like everything else in your life. If you make it a priority, it will be a priority. That's it. Do you care about it? Yay or nay?
1: Yep, that's good. All right, then we have number two the cheater. Someone mm. who wants to take a deduction he or she does not qualify for or claim a non existent dependent. If a tax professional goes along with the shady tax practices, he or she is liable to lose their license. Mm. How often do you probably have this happen pretty often?
0: You know, I, it does come up from time to time. Um, that, that will land you on an immediate disengagement. Uh. I mean, that's not something that we will tolerate at all. Um, I would say that is it's rare and it's infrequent. Okay. Now, I, I do think that there is this range of risk tolerance. Yes, We have some clients who are like, I don't want to take any deductions because I'm afraid that they really aren't business. So it's like, well, I, mean, I feel like that's probably a little too conservative. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, and then we've got people who are like, Way on the other side, where they're going to Starbucks every day, and they want to write (laughs) off every single breakfast they ever eat, and you know, there's there is a happy medium there. Um, Not that I don't think that we should be aggressive and take advantage of every possible and uh, a tax law that's available to us, like we should try to maximize Absolutely. our deductions. I mean, in, uh, you know, legally right. uh, within the parameters so long as they're supported uh, and we have proper evidence to indicate that this is, you know, n- n- ordinary in the course of business. Let's take it. You know? so, Absolutely. Um, so I'd say they do come up. They're not that frequent. Well, that's good. In our business anyway, you might find more of that sort of that, like the um, national tax prep chains and things like that. Uh, now, okay. It has come up where somebody has like, oh, I had the exact same um, expenses on my Schedule C, my saw tussle. Like, your phone bill is the exact same amount for seven years. I'm like, mm, don't <laughs> think so. That's just you plugging a number right. in there. And that's not acceptable. I mean, you have to have adequate books and records as a taxpayer. So, no, that doesn't apply. Got to have a. Certainly, records. we
1: can help with that. If anyone needs help with those right. the, those bookkeeping I mean, needs, exactly. <laughs> we as a client are happy to help. That's right, <laughs> and we got to
0: do the work though to take the deduction.
1: All right. So then, number three, the overly frugal client. Everyone likes to save money, but people who hire a tax pro to prepare a return and then don't pay the agreed-on payment aren't cool. Trying to negotiate for a lower price isn't cool either. Yeah. Do you deal with this a lot? All the time. I have a story about
0: this. Okay, yeah, go for it.
1: I had a client that the the first part of the engagement went well until she got the first bill, which we have everything laid out very specifically in our engagement letter, and we even talked to the client about their budget and make it clear that, you know, whatever their budget is, we will stay within those parameters. And we did. But we outline in our bill, and maybe this is a mistake I need to reevaluate. I don't know, but we outline what the work performed. Mm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And she sent me an email where she had basically redlined pretty much every line of everything we had done and questioned everything. Mm. <laughs> right. Didn't want to pay. Didn't want to pay. Right. Yes. Exactly. Essentially, that's what it came down to is didn't want to pay.
0: Yeah. So I would say that this is probably a bigger conversation about how pricing works. Right? In a (laughs) a professional, you know, where it's traditionally billed by the hour. Mm -hmm. Right? So we don't bill anything by the hour anymore. Everything's fixed fee. So those are the exact same conversations that we had time and time again. And I just... I got so tired of administrative. Like, well, why did it take you 0.25 hours this month, but 0.5 hours the next month? It's like, yeah. sometimes it just takes longer. So we just scrapped all that and said, this is what the job looks like. So, but that, again, has to do with the client understanding what the systems and processes yes. are in the, in the firm. And everybody works a little different. And some people really want... I want to know exactly what you're spending time on and others are more comfortable with maybe a subscription type model. Either way, you as a client have to understand exactly how you're getting charged. Now, the frugal side of things is like, um, Ron Baker, I don't know if you're familiar with Ron Baker, he is the father of value pricing and in his book, Implementing Value Pricing, he makes this statement, clients are not price conscious, they're value conscious. To me, that is what we as professionals have to continue to do is reiterate the value of the services we're providing. Then the price becomes irrelevant because if the value is high, the price doesn't matter. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think about that a lot. But I also know that there are some people who still want to get something for nothing. Oh, yes. So those are the people who are going to haggle with you and Mm -hmm. negotiate. Mm -hmm. And The way that I handle this as a CPA is it's just non-negotiable. you don't go to the grocery store and haggle with the cashier over a gallon of milk and what that costs or price eggs I don't know why you feel like it's applicable in our business it's not this is the price the price is the price
1: there you go that's how it works have you ever seen father of the bride (laughs) yeah it's been a long time though when he's stressing out about the cost of the wedding for his daughter and he ends up having just a complete meltdown in the grocery store and he gets upset because the you know there's 10 buns in a pack but there's eight hot dogs and he just has a meltdown saying I am tired of paying for things that I don't need and he starts pulling buns out of the package and telling the clerk I'm not paying for one more thing I don't need that is one of the best movie scenes oh my god
0: I can understand that sentiment right so he's definitely going to be on the 20% list (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. Um, it is it's a definitely a challenge, I think. But again, the onus is on us as professionals to explain the value. What are we going to do? What do you get mm-hmm. for it? What do you, how do you benefit? And sometimes we actually have to show people like this is the ROI. Yeah. So it's not cheap. Yeah. Right? And we don't want it to be cheap. If it has high value, it needs to be we need to be charging what it's worth. Yes. And the client needs to accept that. So it's going to be expensive if someone's going to save you $100,000 in taxes, it's not going to be $260. Mm. If somebody's going to save you half a million dollars in taxes, it's not going to be 500 bucks. Yeah. I mean, and and if they are, then you might need to go up to that second point about the cheater, and that might be the professional, and you really uh. need to be questioning that. So, um, there, yeah. it's just a little bit, it's just, a te- it's, it's just you got to manage it on both sides, right? Right, right. Um, but yeah, you're not going to get something for nothing doesn't happen.
1: Well, I can tell you that when I got that email with the um, redlining, that was not a client I cared to continue the engagement. And I promptly sent a credit memo for the entire amount of the invoice and said, I'm so sorry, we were not able to add any value. Um, I wish you the best. I did give her a referral for another person, (laughs) but as I stated earlier, I let that person know exactly. I even forwarded her the email and said, if you engage with her, make it worth your time. That's right. Exactly. (laughs) Amen.
0: I mean, just get that PETA charge again. yeah,
1: it does not, it's not working to your advantage for goal clients. In fact, you're, you're actually kind of shooting yourself in the foot Yeah, I mean, you don't
0: want to be, you don't want to be CPA hopping, bookkeeper Mm -hmm. hopping. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, It hurts you. It does. It hurts you a lot. Absolutely. That continuity of knowledge. Someone really getting in, digging in, understanding your business. Like, you're hurting yourself.
1: Yes. You're
0: delaying the achievement of your long-term goals. And at the end of the
1: day, if they find someone to work within the parameters of what they're willing to pay, they're working with someone that doesn't value themselves. Mm -hmm. And why is that? Yeah. Why is that person willing to work for that? Right. So, there should be, to me, a big question mark going up.
0: I just I just looked I got a, a referral for a new client yesterday and I look up every accountant I see who prepared their tax return I go look them all up I go to the Texas State Board of Public Accountancy I verify oh. that they're a CPA and then I go look at their website you are thorough. Yeah. Well, I want to know. I want to know, like, who is this preparer? Um, and I mean, is this person really a CPA? I can't even tell you the number of times where uh, they 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 refer the client refers to the person as a CPA, and then I well, go look them up, and they are not a an well, CPA. And I Happen
1: think a lot of that is because a lot of people don't understand what a CPA is yeah. or what it means. Yeah. So it may not even be that the professional. Put themselves out as a CPA it's just that people link accounting with CPA absolutely
0: well in this particular case I go out to the accountant's website and literally on the front page it says um, CPA experience at no extra
1: cost oh okay so they are touting themselves as being a CPA
0: they are they are a CPA looked them up but why would a CPA not charge oh, more? so they're, like, okay. They're like, they want to do it super cheap. Like, I don't understand why you as a CPA would, I mean, this just totally doesn't, under, I don't yeah. understand it. Like, why do you want to compete on price? You have the experience to charge more and it's likely more valuable. Right. So, I don't know. It's just
1: that some is strange things
0: happening in our industry. <laughs> but I would think the same thing you're thinking, right? Like, hmm, this accountant may it undervalues themselves so much mm-hmm. it makes me wonder a little bit about their experience right. like if they don't are willing to charge for it maybe it's not good experience yeah Maybe it's a bad experience. Exactly. That I
1: don't, would I don't be, want that. Right. That would be the question I'd be asking. Yeah. Definitely.
0: So, I mean, you got to apply a little bit of thought. Price is not necessarily the determinant of quality. Okay? Absolutely. It goes the other way, too. Something super expensive could be really, you know, you can go to like a really big CPA firm and the prices are really high, but you don't get the attention that you need yes. as a smaller client. So.
1: And that is one thing I will say that weeds a lot of people out from us is because we're not the cheapest. And I am very upfront about that. We will never be the cheapest. Cheapest. If I'm the cheapest, I need to reevaluate. Yeah. So I am very upfront about that. But also I will tell pers- prospects, um, you can certainly go and find a bookkeeper for probably $15, $20 an hour, you know, maybe a solopreneur, stay-at-home mom, something like that. Um, I hire people in those ranges never once have I looked at their work and said it's perfect send it to the client right <laughs> exactly <laughs> Yes. So we have, basically with us, you're getting an accounting department because we have multiple levels of review before the client ever sees it. And you need that in
0: any organization that's providing service. I mean, Mm -hmm. just like an attorney's office, a paralegal does the work, attorney reviews it, right? And probably a partner Mm level attorney is going to review it if it's a major litigation case or something like that. I mean, these levels of review are important.
1: Absolutely. I mean,
0: that's where people sort of like, well, I want it to be cheap, but right so the frugal thing like you have to evaluate what you really want
1: absolutely you know
0: you want cheap or you want something that's right that's right which is more important to you
1: there you go so all right number four okay the know-it-all oh Oh, i got a story on this one too the know-it-all some clients believe they know the tax law better than the tax professional if your accountant is a good one this shouldn't be the case if it is the case, you need a new tax professional.
0: Yeah. Or yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I mean how many times do you have people like, "Well, I was at the country club the other day and my buddy said, you know, he doesn't pay any taxes. He hasn't paid tax in, you know, 10 years and uh, I don't think maybe he doesn't know how to read his tax return. You know? <laughs> That's probably p- part of it. You know, he, he probably didn't have anything extra to pay when he filed his tax return, but like made a giant extension payment. Uh, like they don't understand their own taxes. Uh, so a lot of times this is like a misnomer, right? They they think they know what they're talking about, but they don't. So
1: and well, and not every situation is the same. No, well, I mean maybe he hasn't paid taxes because he's lost money every year, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Definitely don't want to be taking business advice from him. <laughs> right. That's probably not a good idea, unless it was orchestrated as a tax planning, you know, okay.
1: strategy,
0: which Touche. that can happen. But yeah, I mean, I I think that the bottom line is that clients have to be coachable. They have to yeah. want to listen. They have to be eager to learn. They they can't just if, if you know everything, why are you here?
1: Right. Exactly. Why are you here?
0: Just oh, um, go exactly. do it yourself. If you think you have the ability right. and knowledge, and you know, then it's free to you. And so just do it yourself. You know, but that DIY. Mentality. I mean, this is the same people who are not mowing their own yards, cleaning their own houses, doing their own plumbing, doing their own HVAC maintenance, changing their own oil in their car, but for whatever reason, they think that they can do their. They have enough knowledge and expertise to do their own accounting and taxes. <laughs> <laughs> That's ludicrous. Absolutely. Like, th- like, and someone needs to tell them that. Yeah. And if they get mad and they don't like it, they don't belong with you. You need clients who are coachable, want to listen to you. Yeah. They want to take your advice. And even if they, they don't necessarily do everything that you recommend, they're open to hearing it. Yeah. Because that's ultimately what you want to do is provide ideas. Yes. Have you thought about changing this way right. that you do your accounting and your invoicing? Have you thought about um, how you track inventory, could do it better, we have this, you know, there's a system right. that can help you. Right. Better way of tracking time for your hourly employees. Better way to do payroll, better way to, some a million different ways to do Absolutely. things better. But some people are so rooted in this, like yes. well, this is the way I do it and I'm never changing. If you are an innovative person and you want to help move your clients along, that's not going to be a bad. That's going to be a bad combination. It will not be a good fit. So, might be another thing for you to understand as yourself, as the yep. client, and as a professional. Who do I work with best? Right temperament, mentality, the growth mindset versus the scarcity, scarcity of yep. you know mindset. Like, Absolutely. Who, who is this person, and who do I who responds best to me? Uh, because if you're the type of person who like this is the way I do my bookkeeping, it's only when we're we gonna do it right. Then you're probably not gonna work well with someone who's like, "Hey, let's set up Bill.com and automate this and get the bank feed set up. And this is gonna be a will be a disaster,
1: right? Yep. There again expectations in the beginning yes all right then we have the paranoid client some folks are just scared of e-filing or the potential for an audit or any variety of other tax related issues and they call their tax professional every few days to voice another concern but calling isn't going to help since the tax professionals don't control the IRS Mm -hmm. how often does this come up in your firm yeah,
0: people are, there's a couple things that are people ex- especially paranoid about. Extensions are one of them, and I don't know why, um, because the wealthiest taxpayers in America Hi, extend Alexa. their, they've all, they have Are people to. concerned
1: that they're going to get audited because of an extension? Yes. And that's, Interesting. That's crazy. Because like, extensions are extremely common.
0: Yeah, I mean... I would almost hazard a guess that people get are more likely to get audited if they don't file an extension. Really? Yeah. So, I, I think there are some things that um, do, I mean, there are some transactions that are a little bit more sort of on the IRS's radar, if you will, but like some people at home office you know they get real paranoid about that N- That, yeah, maybe in 1970 when you couldn't there was like no laptop computer <laughs> right right no internet right. Um, but it's but 2022 today,
1: yeah, yeah. And especially after the, the pandemic right yes I mean, everyone's so working from home <laughs> it's just sort of
0: um, it's unnecessary I also think that the paranoia stems from lack of understanding knowledge is power we know mm-hmm. that so they don't understand and so they're very paranoid again if your CPA tax professional bookkeeper can not bring you comfort and helping to help you understand what those things are, then you might be with the wrong person, right? right? And you're not going to be a good client to them, um, especially if you've got like this mindset that it doesn't matter what they say, they can't be right. Right, There's, no, the government's still out to get me and everything's gonna go wrong and like I'm just a target, you know, yeah. I'm a target on my right. back, right? Right. So, um, in some cases I do think there are some reasons to be paranoid, but if you're working with a really great advisor and you have a relationship where you're communicating and talking frequently, then those types of things are easily resolved because you are proactively kind of discussing, mm. like here's the risks of doing that and if, uh, structuring it in a way where it mitigates the risk. There's always more than one way to skin a cat, right? So express your concerns, uh, paranoia, if you will, whatever you want to call it. Um, but talk about generate ideas on is there a better way right. right. Like I could get what I wanted um, without unnecessary risk.
1: That's good. I like that. All right, then we have the client that sh- that is shocked every year if an individual's tax situation doesn't change much from year to year his or her tax bill is probably going to be similar from year to year makes sense to most people <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I mean we 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 love the people that are, you know, like they owe a lot of money in taxes and we the others so surprised. And it's like you made 5 million dollars last year. <laughs> they just have they have forgotten. Taxes? I mean, I mean I everyone's goal as an individual, right, as a taxpayer is I have I have forgotten how much money I've made. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm perplexed a- by the amount of tax I owe. <laughs> Um, sounds great. So, good problem to have. It's a good
1: problem to have, um,
0: but it's a bad problem to have um, as a client because surprise leads to panic. Panic is emotional. The emotional response is what leads to this very mm-hmm. like you've done something wrong. Right. And that's, so that's like a bad pathway. Try not to go down that pathway. The solution to this is tax planning. Mm. So having meetings, depending on your income level, I mean, if you're making $5 million a year, you can't just wait till April 15th and calculate which extension means. You will be surprised. You will be in panic mode. It will happen. So Depending on your income level, you adjust the services you need from your accountant to say, okay, let's do mid-year tax planning. Let's do end-of-year tax planning. I know about how much I owe through June 30th. Okay, that's good. I can earmark that money. I know what's going on. Here's some strategies we can employ to reduce the taxes. I start working on those before I get to the end of the year. I get to the end of the year. We're calculating. We know exactly what we owe Four months before right. we even get to the deadline. So on April 15th, it's no surprise. Right, right. And that, that is important. A lot of accountants do not focus on that, although they should it helps the client, right? And the client needs to be asking about that, too. Again, the two-way street kind of thing. Right. What are your expectations about when am I going to know how much I owe? Right. Um, and there's, I, I don't, if you make a lot of money and you owe a lot in taxes, liquidating investments, that's stressful. Now you got to get your financial advisor. Right. Now you right. have capital gains. Now you got more taxes that you owe. So it begets problems, right? Problem Absolutely. begets problem. I mean. And that stress level then gets high. And then that's when you're expressing, like, I just need a new account. (laughs) So, yes,
1: some of it's on the CPAs. And I will direct people to listen to the first podcast that you and I recorded about tax planning strategies. Because you had some great advice in there on strategies that people can employ to reduce that tax liability. So, definitely check that out. All right. Then we have the dribbler. It's tough to get all your information together at once, and sometimes people just forget something. But clients who continually drop off new information that will change the entire return aren't doing anybody any favors. Dribbling wastes the time of the tax preparer and means bigger expense for the client.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of debate on this um, on the business side of CBAs. You know, like when do you start preparation? Do you have to have 100% of the data before Uh. you even start? do you 80% so if you've got you know a 10 a list of 10 items that you need from the client we'll start if we get 8 of the items right so it, a lot of that really sort of depends on what their business processes look like probably good to clarify right. so if you are the dribbler you probably need to know like I'm not going to see anything until I submit everything right. in, in July <laughs> like then they're going to keep telling you we will not start until you send us 80% of the information so get some clar- clarity right. around that right. when do you start working on my return, return. Mm-hmm. Um, on my books or whatever the whatever right. the project is right. like, if you don't have all the data you can't do all the work um, the other That I would say about that is, is that many people are trying to control their refund. Mm. So they'll get a draft of their tax return and they'll say, "Oh no, 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 no! I have one more charitable deduction I'd like to add to that."
1: Uh, so they're trying to get that 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 tax liability down by adding more. (laughs) Right. Okay.
0: <laughs> that will end up you up on that twenty percent, <laughs> because the processing, reprocessing the tax return over and over again, adjusting it and doing it—that's just more time that the mm. CPA is spending right. having to do this. It's the do redo. No one wants to duplicate no. their efforts. No, send us everything and that's it. Yeah. So um, it again, the onus is on the client. Yes. And so yeah, there, there are there are some CPAs who will charge extra If you all of a sudden have this magical new, um, oh, I forgot about this charitable contribution because you wanted your refund to be more. So expect to pay for that. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. Good point. All
1: right. Last one the halfway do it yourselfer. Oh, yeah. I love DIY as much as anyone, but some people just don't need to try to do their own returns, especially if the return is complicated. It usually takes longer to quickly review, quote unquote, a DIY. why return that then it does to do a return from scratch
0: yeah have you found that to be the case as well we won't even do it we won't even review returns they are self-prepared okay so, so you
1: always are going to do right. it from the beginning yourself. right because i mean
0: it's basically us preparing it mm-hmm. we got to get all the source documents and verify that everything is in the right place so no we won't we won't do it so, and I, there might be some CPAs that do, um, but it is a challenge because you've got to basically, you know, undo, you got to understand where everything goes right. on the texture and then ask a bunch of questions and you're generally not as familiar with it. When you don't go through that preparation process, you haven't thought through all the things you got to think through to actually prepare it. Uh. So it is more challenging and you're usually, it's kind of dropped in your lap. Like, hey, can you get this done for me real fast? It shouldn't take you more than, you know, 10 minutes.
1: Right. right? Yeah. Don't you sure, love that? Yeah. You shouldn't. I Just love I love when the sentence starts with, it shouldn't take you more than. Right, yeah, (laughs) okay. Well, in that case, why aren't you doing (laughs) it? That's right.
0: (laughs) So, uh, yeah, again, the DIY mentality must go. This applies to, like, almost everything in business, you know most people you know s- they have to start off bootstrapping it a little bit but get advice mm. learn at least the basics so you're not screwing it up too badly mm. but g- as quickly as you can get out of doing the things that are not in your wheelhouse yes. the things that you do not do best um, I certainly and like I had alluded to before I do not change my own oil in my car
1: I don't either because I'm <laughs> with you on that I would probably <laughs> screw it
0: up and yes. it's going to cost me more in the long run because now I've hurt or damaged my vehicle right so I'm not even going to attempt that. Right. That same mentality needs to be applied to accounting and taxes. You might end up costing yourself more money to fix it than it would have been to just do it right the first time. Absolutely. So, good
1: point. Yes. I love it. Just
0: get help, expert help. So, eliminate this DIY mentality. Got to go. I love
1: it. I think we have thoroughly gone over this topic of what it takes to be a good client and not be a nightmare client, right? <laughs> I feel so, like so too, yes. So now you can give this video or podcast link to anyone you're about to engage with and say just just listen to this before we start. I
0: think that's so true. <laughs> I the, the last thing that I would add to that is Please read your emails. Yes. Please read the engagement <laughs> letters. Read when when your CPA sends you an email Look they at it. Yeah, they put time and effort into yes. telling you, giving you instructions, wanting you to understand something, do them the courtesy of reading, reading it. Reading it. That's good. Read it.
1: But that's, that's a good final note. Tell people where they can find you if they would like to talk with you or perhaps engage your services.
0: Awesome. Sure. Um, You can read more about us on our website. It's www.mbgcpa.com. Find me on LinkedIn, Susan Bryant, CPA, CTC. So uh, yeah, hook up with me right there and um, would love to talk to anybody who is wanting to handle on their tax situation. You know, taxes are pain. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, they are. But you do help with that process and I love the way that you do.
0: Yeah. Well, we're trying to pay a lot less taxes than we have to. That's right.
1: Absolutely. And I can't say enough good things about Susan. She's fantastic. So I well, highly you, recommend please. her. Thank so, you. And thank you for joining me again. This has been awesome yeah. as usual.
0: Oh, dittos. <laughs> so much fun. Really love being here.
1: And I'm Lindsay Klein with SAKLINE. You can find us at SAKLINE.com S-A-K-L-I-N-E.com and of course we always, always, always want to help out with any bookkeeping needs, just as Susan alluded to. Don't be doing this yourself. We are here to help. You can email us at info at succline.com. I am Lindsay Klein and your host of Buy the Books. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Until next time, have a great week. Buy the Books is presented by Sucline. Honest, accurate bookkeeping
0: performed on time. For more information on Sucline services, or to get a hold of Lindsay, visit Cicline.com or email info at secline.com.
1: The information provided on this website and podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials available are for general information purposes only. Information provided by Secline may not constitute the most up-to-date legal or other information. Listeners should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter and should refrain from acting on the basis of this information without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information contained herein and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation.